is happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. UFC 287 on Saturday night absolutely delivered with one of the highlights of 2023 to close the show. I might argue one of the best knockouts in recent UFC memory. Israel Adesanya reclaims his middleweight crown, as John Anik famously said, king of the middleweights. That is Israel Adesanya. Will Brewer, what a fight card it was Saturday night. I told you this yesterday, I'm still there. I am still shook by what happened at, to close the second round in UFC 287 of that main event. Man, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, the, the entire card was pretty solid, but then to end it like that, the stakes in that fight were, was just incredible. It was a, as much of a must-win fight for Izzy uh, as I've ever seen. And uh, the fact that he pulled that out... I mean, yeah, I'm still blown away by what he did. I'm blown away by the celebration. I'm blown away by everything. It, it was just a, a crazy night, a crazy main event. Man, I don't know how we even rebound from that. Like, what, what what's next? Yeah. Max Holloway and Arnold Allen, that's going to be a banger. But, like, yeah. how, do you, how do you even come down from that? It's, it's tough, man. That was such a great fight. I, it, you know, every second of that fight, much like the first one, was kind of that like holding your breath, so much drama because you know at any moment one of those two guys could potentially end the fight. Uh, I thought it was it was just absolutely sensational. The the finish by Israel Adesanya, incredible. And I do think it's very interesting, Will, and just, I mean, think about where we were this time a week ago and just the general narrative around Israel Adesanya going into this fight and kind of what his legacy was going to be had he lost that fight, which a lot of people were predicting, even though he was the betting favorite, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, were predicting Alex Pineda to win a second time. And to go from kind of what the legacy would have been in a loss to right back where we are now, where he is, you know, I, on some people's Mount Rushmore, um, that was a giant win for Israel Adesanya in terms of the way that his name will be remembered in this sport. Yeah, and it's warranted the way that people were kind of—I'm not gonna say we're writing him off, but you—you fought this guy three times, and you've lost this guy three times. You were looking good in in every single fight, but you just couldn't get your hand raised. So if if you're in a series in the NBA and you're down 3-0, you know, nine times out of ten, that that fourth game is is you know the 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 other team is like, well, man, we right. just we just can't beat this guy uh, or this team. You know, it, it was just a, it was just tough to see, really see like how Izzy was going to win, uh, especially, you know, Izzy's not the most uh, aggressive when it comes to chasing a knockout. So you wonder, like, how is he going to win? If like if you're if you're asking Israel Adesanya to be perfect for 25 minutes against Alex Pajeda, who just seems like he was built to beat Israel Adesanya, it's just a, it's, it's a tough ask. But Izzy was stoic through the whole fight week. He seemed like he was very locked in. I thought that Izzy was very locked in in a good way up until the walkout. When I saw the walkout, I texted you and I was like, "Okay, yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Like this is this is uncharacteristic of Izzy. Like the him not being, you know, very talkative and everything was one thing, but just how amped up he was, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna make a mistake and he's gonna get knocked out." Uh, but for him to perform like that with all that pressure that was on him, it, it, it was just amazing to see. Uh, 
it was warranted that, that people thought that. But see, now that Izzy's back on top and with the way that he finished Pajeda, you have to put him back in Mount Rushmore conversations. Yeah. You have to put him back in uh, best middleweight of all time. I mean, th- that was already uh, the case, but he's back in, you know, top of the pound for pound uh, rankings. You know, that's a discussion now. Like you can't like that's not some that's not easy what he just did. Knocking out Alex Pajeda, that that was something that not many people had on, had on their on their books. Israel Adesanya by knockout. So the fact that he was able to do that, I mean, it just goes to show the layers to his game, how locked in he was. It was just very impressive. I I, I thought Pajeda was going to win. I I didn't think it was just going to be a an easy path. I didn't think Pajeda was just going to run him over. I thought it would be a competitive fight, but I felt like much like the first fight. Uh, only I thought this one would, would look more competitive until the point that Pajeda landed the big shot. But I thought it would be very competitive on both sides, and ultimately the power of Pajeda would land, and that would be the difference in the fight. I've always felt like people massively undervalue Izzy's power. Izzy has always had power. He just doesn't fight those kinds of fights, right? He doesn't get in the wars. He doesn't get in the type of fights where he's going to trade big shot for big truck, big shot. He has the ability to beat you without having to land those big shots. I appreciate in this fight, the fact that he knew if you're going to get a win, you can't, you don't have the same stylistic advantage over Alex Pajeda, the way that you do over all these other middleweights, right? You're going to have to get your hands dirty in this type of matchup. If you're going to come out victorious. And I like the fact that he knew I'm going to have to take some shots and I'm also going to have to unleash the power. And, you know, for as much as I think uh, I and other people made fun of the whole dog collar thing and thought it was a little bit ridiculous, like, I think in retrospect, that's exactly what he needed to do, right? He needed to embrace the dog in him and embrace that style of fight because, Will, I think that's the only way he was going to have a chance to beat Alex Pereira. No other style was was going to come out of twenty five minutes against Pajeda victorious. Yeah, and I and I think he realized that. I think he needed he needed to capitalize on mistakes that Alex made. He had to go out there and he had to take some chances uh, and risk um, being knocked out. I think um, he could take a lot from that third fight uh, with how he almost finished him with that right hand at the end of the first round. Like if I just would have had more time, I would have finished him. Um, you're right. Izzy's always had power, uh, but the opponents haven't offered that type of pressure. Like they're really reacting to what Izzy does. Uh, Izzy's fighting at a distance. They're kind of intimidated to really go in there yeah. and take a chance. Cause you know, we saw what Izzy did to Whitaker. So it's not really Izzy's fault that we haven't seen him with this show off his power, but when he does, my goodness, like we have to stop saying like, Izzy doesn't have power. He, he just doesn't. Why Why would you chase it if you don't have to? Like, against right. Pajeda, he had to chase it uh, because he, he wasn't going to win any other way, uh, especially with how the fight was going. It looked like it was going It, it was looked like it was going south. Um, of course, you know, he said it was the rope-a-dope at the end and all that, but those leg kicks, those calf kicks were adding up. There, there, there's no secret, and he had to do something to answer that. Um, he just capitalized on Alex's uh, mistake and, and closed the show. Yeah. It's interesting. The first fight was was uh, I think Israel Adesanya looking like the better of the two guys until he got finished, and it's the complete opposite this time around. I thought that round one was very close, but I felt like the leg kicks from Pereira were the most damaging 
strikes of that first round. I gave first round to Pajeda, although I think it was a close round. And then round two, I think uh, Pajeda was absolutely winning that round until he got the finish. But uh, you kind of have the polar opposite. This time it was Pajeda looking like the better guy before ultimately Izzy lands the big shots to put him away. Yeah, you know, that first round was close. It, it just depended on what you value because that those leg kicks were, were adding up and they were uh, very significant. But Izzy was showing that he was very willing to engage. I feel like the combinations that Izzy was landing uh, were, a, were a factor. I think that's why, you know, some people had it for Izzy, some people had it for Peta. Uh, if, you know, e- either way, that was one of the more closer rounds in a championship fight that you'll get. If you, if you score it one way for Izzy or the other way for Peta, I mean, no one can really, you know, have anything bad to say about it because both of those guys fought well. But the second round, like you said, was all Peta. He, from start to finish, uh, or in t- until the finish, I should say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he w- he looked outstanding. It looked like he really had Izzy figured out. Um, he was he was adding those calf kicks were adding up. He was chopping at both of the legs, making Izzy switch stances, and he was stalking him more than he was in the first round. He was trying to find that kill shot, um, and then it uh, it ended up being what led to his demise. But um, Asperheda was looking good. Like if he fights like that against most other people in this world who doesn't have a wrestling base, he'll probably beat them because not, there's not many Israel Adesanya's out there. Uh, there's there's people with power. There's people with, you know, good kicks and everything. But Izzy puts everything together so well, and he's yeah. tall and all that. But um, Pajeda beats a lot of people if he fights like that. I, I was very impressed with him because he, he just showed that he's not just uh, a guy with power. He's not just a powerful kickboxer. He, his his fight IQ was up there to match someone like Izzy. So I was impressed with Pajeda, but uh, Izzy just showed like uh, he he used his own power against him, and it, it was very impressive. The photograph of Izzy standing over the out cold Alex Pajeda with the bow and arrow pose is going to go down. I think is one of the the most iconic. UFC photos ever. I mean, that is such a great photo and such a, a, a huge moment. You know, in terms of the knockout itself, I, I I wouldn't put it, for me at least, on the same level as the Leon knockout of Kamaru. I still think that's the greatest knockout in UFC history. But I can't imagine, Will, for the remainder of 2023, that anything even comes close to, to dethroning that knockout for KO of the year. I mean, when you consider the stakes... Uh, who the two guys were, and just, you know, I, I think that sequence and then the big shot and the fact that Pareto was out cold for, like, a couple minutes, it seemed like, uh, after that fight was over. I mean, that, that to me, I will be stunned. I'm going to call it right now. It's knockout of the year. I, I can't imagine anything else ultimately dethrones it. Yeah, I think it's up there with the, with the Leon knockout. Um, just the stakes, the must-win that Izzy was in, uh, the fact that people wrote off his power, um, I, I'm not going to say it's better, but I th- I'm, you know, I think it's up there like that. I think that's one of the better knockouts that we've seen, uh, in UFC history when you, when you really look at the, the, the whole thing. But, um, yeah, for 2023, like we're not, we're probably not going to see anything greater than that. Um, let me ask you this though. Let's say we get a Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson type knockout. Is that, just the knockout itself. It, like, it doesn't matter who, like, let's say it's uh, Max Holloway. No, not even that. Edson Barbosa and Billy Q. Edson Barbosa lands a, a Michael Chandler-type front kick on um, Billy Q, knocks him uh, knocks him out cold. Is that going to be enough to surpass Izzy? I don't think so. I don't think so in my mind. I don't think so either. It's I mean, going to take something I, with the— Part of this ahead. was just the complete shock 
of the shot landing and you realizing like that's it the fight's over done fight's over yeah fight's over like he landed that shot and it was like oh shit it's done like game over the end (laughs) do not collect two hundred dollars do not pass go you know like it was like holy cow yeah so i I mean it's going to take something like with those types of stakes yeah but i I don't know if i don't know if we if we're going to see anything similar to that in the rest of the year with these with these main events and stuff uh maybe maybe Yair Rodriguez and Volkanovski. It's going to take an upset plus a spectacular knockout for it's for yeah. for that to be on Izzy's knockout level. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of the knockout itself, like this one was a spectacular knockout, and then the the narrative around it just elevates it that much more, right? And and while there might be other spectacular knockouts, it it seems very far fetched to think that there's going to be a knockout on its own that is equally as spectacular with an equally spectacular narrative surrounding the spectacular knockout itself. So yeah, I, I it was unbelievable. Um, put me in the category, Will, that says, give me the trilogy immediately. I want to see Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira three. I would like to see it at middleweight. I know there are some other options maybe for the trilogy fight, which we will get into. Uh, Dana White in the post-fight press conference basically just said that he is banking on Pereira moving up to 205. Uh, there's there's not been any news that that's actually going to happen. He didn't say that Pereira wouldn't get the middleweight title shot next or that they would go in any other direction. He just kind of pointed to, I think this is what is going to happen. I, I don't, you know, that's obviously up to Pereira and, and what direction he wants to go. But if he wants to stay at middleweight, if he is willing to make the 185 cut again, give me the trilogy next. Israel Adesanya's already cleaned out this division. He's already beat everybody else currently ranked in the top five. This is the one loss in the middleweight division, and it's to a guy that obviously he has a history with. Let's settle it. Give me the trilogy. I think uh, the fans and uh, everyone knows that these are the two best guys in that division. Nobody's going to beat either one of those guys uh, at middleweight as, you know, as of right now. Uh, Those are the two best guys. Um, Everyone wants to see that, wants to see the trilogy. But I just don't, first of all, I don't think Izzy wants to fight him again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he does either. I, I, I don't think, I don't he think does Izzy either. wants to fight him again, at, at least not right away. I think he, I think that mental hurdle that he had to overcome was so drastic that he wants to just separate himself from that altogether. Um, I think Dana, of course, Dana didn't even mention the 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 thought of a trilogy. He just kind of said, "Alex should move up." You know that weight cut, all this, yeah. and then Alex himself and his uh, talking about the fight and everything. He just he didn't he never really mentioned fighting him again. So it it just doesn't seem like the stars are aligning for this to be ran back immediately. Um, but that puts Izzy in a in a really tough spot, like. Who are you going to fight? You're in the dominant champion territory where you're just fighting the next contender who you haven't beat yet. And at this point, um, you we've got Pajeda. We've got Vittori, who you beat twice. Costa, Whitaker, who, who you beat twice. Um, you beat Brunson already. You've beaten so many of these guys. But then you got Drickus Duplessis there. You got Sean Strickland there. Um And, you know, Izzy came out and said that he wants to be active. I mean, if you want to be that active, I don't see Alex coming back 
within the next few months. It seems like Izzy wants to wants to maybe fight in July or August. Especially after a knockout pretty... like that, he's probably going to need a few months, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There, the commissions, no commissions are going <laughs> to shanks him after a knockout like that. So it seems like Izzy wants to come back immediately, and um, I think it's, I think it's going to be one of those two, Duplessis or Strickland, maybe International Fight Week. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Hamzat. It seems like Hamzat doesn't. He's fighting in October. You know, there's rumors that it's Paulo Costa. Um, I remember you you brought this up the other day, saying like, just give the the, the fight to Hamzat. I'm kind of I'm kind of you know I I said the other day like the MMA purist in me wants to see Hamza win one, but like Izzy and Hamza, just the thought of that that's yeah. a big fight. Like how can you ignore that? Um, but. And there's just not great options. Like, that's the other thing. There's just not great options. I mean, I, I love Drickus Duplessis. I think he's one of the most entertaining middleweights or just fighters on the roster, period. Um, is he, I mean, is he ready for a title shot right now? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like he could get there. I don't feel like he's championship caliber yet. And is he, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that that's going to be one of those fights that gets a bunch of people excited either. Like, Hamzat, stylistically is a challenge that Izzy hasn't seen. And the the name on the marquee absolutely is going to do it for the business side for the UFC. So if it's not Pereira, I, Hamzat would be my choice. I'll say this. Like, if, if Pereira needs to sit out for a few months and Israel wants to be active and he wants to fight again, like, say, in three months, like, I wouldn't have an issue with them going Duplessis. But I, I heard a lot of this on Saturday night after this fight was over, and this is what I wanted to bring up with you. I heard a lot of this... Well, now Pereira needs to go beat somebody to earn another title shot. Get out of here with that nonsense. No, he doesn't. He didn't have to go through the entire top 15 to get the first title shot, right? Part of this is just circumstance. Like, it's not fair necessarily, but this is circumstance. Israel Adesanya has done laps around this division. So Pereira got fast-tracked. He beat Israel Adesanya. And now Israel Adesanya got him back. Like, I, I don't think he needs a win to get another title shot. And, I mean, if we're going to look at precedent... Let's let's look at the women's division. Here comes Juliana Pena. She upsets Amanda Nunes, longtime dominant champion. They have a rematch. Nunes wins in dominant fashion. Nobody thought there was going to be a trilogy. Guess what? Just like the middleweight division, there's not a bunch of great options, so they're going with the trilogy fight. Like, Pereira doesn't need to beat anybody else to get this trilogy fight. So, if they need to go with another, uh, like a Drickus Duplessis before... Pereira's ready to go, then fine. But like this idea that that he needs to go win one to earn his way back into the the title picture to me is complete nonsense. I don't know how I feel. I don't know completely how I feel about it. Um, I see both sides. Like I see Alex Pereira is still the number one contender. He just lost the belt. He's got he's got a number one next to his name, and he's got a win over the champion. So like. Why Why are we even considering any other options when you've got Alex Pajeda and a trilogy sitting right there? Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy. It's, it seems easy. But as Israel Adesanya is the champion and he's just basically just kind of downplaying the entire thing like Pajeda needs to run through the gauntlet. I don't I don't agree that he needs to run through the gauntlet, but. Maybe maybe he shouldn't fight someone. Nah, he doesn't need to fight anyone. Exactly, he doesn't. He he doesn't need to fight anyone. You know, I understand what Izzy's trying to say, but 
if you just want to fight someone else, then just, you know, say that. But to say that Alex needs to run through the gauntlet, like, that's just not realistic. Um, maybe Alex needs one for to fight for the light heavyweight title, but uh, he was just a champion. I mean, that trilogy, if, if yeah. Izzy was on board, that trilogy fight would be made immediately. Like, it'd be it would one of be the biggest for- fights in UFC history. Absolutely. You could put that back in MSG depending on when uh, Alex needs to, uh, how long Alex is out. But um, the fact that the only thing that makes this tough for Alex is one is he does he want to go back down or like does he want to fight at middleweight again? And right. then two, Izzy wants is is wants to be active. And the fact that Izzy's trying to fight in June, July, August, that's just I, I know that timeline doesn't work for for Pajeda. Yeah. That's probably one of the reasons why he did get knocked out because he's cutting so much weight and he just cut weight in November to make 185. He this is April. That was just a few months ago. I'm sure Alex is going to want some time to you know like not kill his body to to make this weight. So yeah. that's why 205 makes a lot of sense. But I mean, Izzy. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Like Alex doesn't need to win. You know, if you if you just want him to just wait, take some time off, then then say that. But sure, you know, he doesn't need to, you know, run through any gauntlet. Like in a perfect world, then yes, I I would want him to win again. But like you have to, like you can't apply the same logic to every division, right? Because every division is dealing with different context to what what is happening, right? Like if if there were a division, if the middleweight division had a top five full of guys that had never had a title opportunity, had a top five full of guys that had never fought Israel Adesanya, then I would say, absolutely, Alex Pereira needs to go fight somebody and let somebody else have another shot. But, like, Israel Adesanya's already lapped this group. So, like, I think when you look at it in terms of the context of the middleweight division, it just doesn't make any sense that he would he would have to earn another title shot by, by beating somebody else. Um, the timing of it is a completely different story uh we'll see what happens next i told you last week like my prediction was alex pedata is going to win this again and his next fight isn't going to be at middleweight his next fight is going to be at 205 and it's going to be a going for a champ champ situation um you know maybe that's that was my prediction anyway that his next fight would be at 205 maybe that's the case even though he didn't win and it's a loss um i think that makes a lot of sense i i could also see a scenario will where if you're trying to play the long game and really look down the road, like you could, you could probably give Alex Pereira the winner of Yuri and Jamal Hill without even making him fight at 205, and it, it it kind of makes sense there, setting up a potential 205 champ Alex Pereira and 185 champ Israel Adesanya trilogy fight. Yeah, um, I think that's in, in my perfect world. That's where we would go. I think you. I think Alex should try to go up and, and win that title. And then Izzy is the 185 champ. Uh, fight Alex Pajeda for the 205 title. I, I think he just, the storyline for that is just epic. Um, Izzy revisiting his demon. Pajeda is now uh, the 205 champ. So he's a two division champion now. Um, so like this would be Izzy trying to take everything away from Pajeda, even though Pajeda had already did that to Adesanya. Yeah. Uh, I think a win for Izzy over Pajeda at 205 and then, Pajeda beating his demon again, becoming a double champion. I mean, we're looking at Izzy in a completely different light than we already do now. I mean, the we might be putting him up on you know the Mount Rushmore of MMA or or, or whatever the case is. Uh, so in my perfect world, that's what that's the per, that's my perfect scenario. And I got the perfect 
time for that to happen. All right, let's hear it. Perfect time. All right. Israel Adesanya, 185 champ. Let's say this all works out. Israel Adesanya, 185 champ. Alex Pajeda, 205 champ. In the main event of UFC 300. Perfect. I'm sold. Sign me up. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any better. I mean, John, you know, John Jones would be great if he can get, at, get, at, get in that. Uh, Conor McGregor, obviously, but I think in terms of just a, a fight with with stakes, oh, yeah, yeah, UFC 300, Pajeda Adesanya for winner takes all. John doesn't have, I mean, unless Francis Ngannou were to come back, John doesn't have the type of name opposite him to, I think, warrant that being a main event over Alex Pajeda and Israel Adesanya if they were both title holders at middleweight and light heavyweight, right? Yeah, I mean. Just John himself being there would be yeah, interesting. For sure. Uh, if it's if it's Stipe, I think that would be the only like okay thing, the only acceptable thing, I should say. But yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a John Jones versus Curtis Blade. Yeah, Sergei but they're trying Kavlovic. to get Stipe to happen this summer. So, or yeah, and and then it sounds like it's not happening in July, which is a bummer. So it's like, what right. are you, what are y'all even doing? Right. Like, are we still are we still waiting for y'all to? After all this time, yeah. <laughs> like we got John Jones as champion, like let's hurry up and let's let's make this fight happen. At two hundred five, though, it makes a ton of sense because outside of Jamal Hill and Yuri Prohaska, like look at the rest of that division. Ankalaev and Blahovich just had the draw, so there's not like a clear cut number one. Rockich is dealing with an injury. Anthony Smith and uh, Johnny Walker, right, are about to match up uh, next month. Uh, you've got Krylov, uh, who just I, who did he beat? Ryan Spann recently. Ryan like, Spann, there's not yeah. a clear cut this is the guy that needs to be next. Like the timing works out for potentially Alex Pereira to immediately get a 205 title shot against the winner of, of Hill and Prohaska potentially. You know, even though uh, Pereira hasn't fought at 205, just the fact that he was a former 185 champion, I kind of think has, he makes the best case out of anybody other than Yuri Prohaska. So yeah. if, if, if you told me Alex Pereira is getting the winner of, it's kind of like John Jones, just in a lesser degree, just the fact that he, is the, was the champion, and then you've got all these guys who are just kind of in the same little area, and they all just need to win. You know, Pajeda's coming off this rivalry with Izzy, so he's got momentum as far as fans. So that's a big fight that Alex would, you know, that Alex would make with either Jamal Hill or, or Yuri Pahaska. I wanted to get your thoughts on this, though, before I forget. What do you make, and, and this may not even be for real, but he's, he says that this is for real. I don't I don't know how serious the UFC would take this, but Jan Blahovich saying that he would be interested in moving down to 185 to fight Izzy. At first, you know, he he posted a picture saying um, I'll be I I could make 185, but it was like a picture with cigarettes and something else. So it it made people think he was joking. But then in a, in a recent interview, he said like, no, give me a, give me a couple months, I can make 185. What do you think of a potential Adesanya Blahovich? fight at 185. I love it. This is the only other other fight that Adesanya has lost. I love it. Yeah. He lost it at 205. Let's see what happens at 185 in Israel's division. Yeah, I love it. And again, because when you look at the middleweight division, there's no good option at the top. You just beat Pereira, who's number one. You have two wins over Whitaker, two wins over Vittori, a blowout win over Cannoneer, and a knockout win over Paulo Costa. Like, that's the top five. Like, it. yeah, it's I like Pereira... In a rematch or in the trilogy fight, Hamzat jumping the line. Drikus, I guess, is just the highest ranked 
fighter that hasn't faced Izzy. Um, or yeah, I, I like uh, I like Blahovich going down to 185 if he can make it. I like yeah. Blahovich going down yeah. to 185 more than a Drickus matchup. Yeah, because you know that that fight would sell. Uh, Blahovich does have a name, uh, so. I'd be interested in that, but you know him making 185 is a big ask yeah. for sure. You know who so, else threw uh, their name, their hat, their name in the hat, or their hat in the that? ring? What's the what is it? Hat in the ring? Their, their name in the hat. Name in the hat. Hat in the ring. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Kelvin Gastelum after his win because he and Izzy had a great fight. I mean, I think even though that sounds incredibly bad, just because of Kelvin's you know, what he's done lately. I mean, he does have a win and then he does have that fight with Izzy. So like, if you just try to brush all the things that have happened, the the four out of five <laughs> yeah. losses that he, that he's had before this, if you just say, Oh, he just beat Chris Curtis and he's had that fight with Izzy. It's, it, it's, it's going to take something like that for Izzy at this point, because there's just not many options. Like Kelvin's now coming off a win. So that's, that's an option. So why not? Yeah, like I, I, I'm a big Robert Whitaker fan, and I think if if you know Izzy and I think Alex Pineda probably as well, they're just such tough matchups for him stylistically. That if those two guys aren't aren't walking the earth, like Robert Whitaker is probably on the same type of middleweight winning streak that Izzy was on before the Pineda loss, right? Like I think he's that much better than everybody else. And you know, Cannoneer wasn't even I think in the same ballpark. I, I really was excited about that Costa fight, and that was a, a, a blowout win for Izzy. So, yeah, there's there's not great options. I love the Hamzat fight again just because, like, stylistically, Izzy hasn't fought anybody like Hamzat. So I think on top of the fact that he's a giant superstar, uh, that one just makes so much sense. And I, I hadn't heard anything about, about the Blahovich stuff, so I, I absolutely love that idea. Speaking of Hamzat, though, I heard Darren Till talking the other day saying that he still believes that Hamzat is going to be the 170 champ. Have we even determined for sure if Hamzat is fighting at 170 or 185 next? Well, it, from what Hamzat has posted, and he's he's saying that his next fight is at 185, but... Uh, like, he's still I, ranked number three in the welterweight division. They haven't even removed him from the rankings. There's... Still lots of chatter about the potential matchups for him in that division. Yeah, you know, I think... So should he win? Should he should he fight Paulo Costa in Abu Dhabi in October and he wins? Do, do you think he should fight... Do you think they're going to try to make him fight for the middleweight title next after that win? Or the welterweight title? I think there's a chance that he fights for the middleweight title next period. Like, I'm not saying that's the greatest chance, but I think there is a chance that Hamzat's next fight potentially could be for the middleweight title. I would lean more toward his next fight being the Paulo Costa at 185. And if he wins that, I don't see him dropping back to 170 unless it's to, like, double up, right? Yeah, but... I kind of think, I kind of think that what what probably may happen is Hamzat fights Paulo Costa, wins, goes down and fights for the welterweight title, pretty quick too. 
Gilbert he Burns beats- and Bilal Muhammad will be so mad. But there's there is nothing that they can do. Right. Uh, like, no, I agree. If, if you if you insert Hamzat into the picture, I mean, I know there's people who are like, yeah, Bilal should get the title shot. Gilbert should like no one's going to be mad at Hamzat no. getting the title shot. Like he's that he's that popular. Um it's gonna suck for Bilal and for Gilbert Burns, especially for Bilal. But I think they, they, those two guys should fight each other. But um me in a perfect world, I would like to see Hamzat make the weight before he gets a title shot, but just He's such he's exactly. such a big star, and people want to see him fight. Like, th- there's the, the rules get bent for guys of Hamzat's popularity, obviously. So that's why Conor McGregor's always one fight away from fighting for a title, right? One win. Exactly. Away. That's, that's why Masvidal was one fight away. If he would have won, beat Burns, he probably would have got a title shot. So it's just it, it's all about business. What what they can do to sell pay per views, and Hamzat's that guy. So I mean, we'll see, man. That's that's very interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, in terms of that uh, co-main event with Gilbert Burns, um, big win over Masvidal, as we all expected. I think he was the the heaviest favorite on on the entire fight card. Uh, we we expected that's the way the fight was going to go. He said afterward he wants to be the backup fighter for the Colby Leon title match and then get his opportunity next. Dana basically said I don't have a problem with that in his press conference. Uh, Masvidal, meanwhile kind of retires without retiring like he didn't uh, will i watch it again he didn't actually say the word retire at any point um i feel like he absolutely left the door open for the right opportunity i don't think he's just gonna go fight like you know a kevin holland for example uh just to get back in there but i think for the right opportunity he left the door open but i think jorge masvidal just being a part of the the ufc's roster and normal rotation is is a done deal and he he hangs it up on Saturday night in his hometown. Yeah, absolutely. It's a done deal. He's he's at a point now where he's not fighting any of the big names or any of the big contenders at 170. I think the title aspirations are, are done. Um, he, he was ranked like number 13 in the new ranking. So he's not going to go out there and fight a Kevin Holland. He's not going to go out there and fight Shavkat. He's not going to go out there and fight Wonderboy again. Um I think the only fight that he would come back for at this point is uh, a Conor McGregor fight. Uh, I think that's the one that got away in my mind. I think they their their best chance to hit that was when after Masvidal um, need uh, Ben Askren, but it it ended up being Nate Diaz. But I don't know, man. You know, I I think Masvidal's probably done fighting in the UFC, like unless it's Conor. But I think he'll probably be. He'll probably entertain this game bread boxing that he's promoting. He may fight someone there. Um, but I, he he's too much of a fighter to just, like, never do anything yeah. again. Like, he's not going to be a, just a coach or something like that. Like, he's a fighter at heart, and he's going to do something. But what that is, I don't know yet. But it's not going to be fighting UFC contenders anymore. I do. I know what's next. What's I've next? already worked it out of my head, Will. I, I, I feel like I had a vision and I just saw the future, and I saw exactly how it's going to play out. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I don't know if you're aware of this, but coming up on August 5th in Dallas, Texas, Jake Paul is going to box Nate Diaz yes, at one at 185. My goodness. <laughs> After Jake Paul beats Nate Diaz, Jake <laughs> Paul is going to box, wait for it, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal gets a big payday. He gets to do his thing. And what that sets up is 
Masvidal and Nate Diaz to go back to the UFC and fight each other in MMA and then potentially lay the groundwork for a Masvidal-Conor McGregor super fight, which would just sell, I mean, by the boatload. Okay, so I'm I'm with you, sort of. I'm with you to the point where Jake is going to beat Nate, and Jake is probably going to call out Masvidal now that he's retired. That's something that's been in the work, not in the works, but you know, you can see the you can see the the fire there, like yeah. you know, where there's smoke, there's fire type thing. Yeah. You can see it. So now that Masvidal has retired, I am sure like Masvidal fits the mold of what. <laughs> Jake Paul would want to would want to box against, so it may, that makes a ton of sense. Now, Masvidal and Diaz fighting, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I, I would I would think that if Diaz is coming back to the UFC, he's going to fight Conor McGregor. I don't think the I think that since Nate has left the UFC, they're not going to miss out on that opportunity for Diaz and McGregor to fight. Now, does that mean that Masvidal and Diaz are never going to fight? No, but I'm saying like. If we're going by timeline, I think that Nate is going to fight Connor when he comes back. Now, at the end of that, Masvidal's going to box Jake. We don't know how that's going to go, but you really feel like Connor and Masvidal is is going to happen at some point. Yes, one hundred percent. It's too big. Yeah, too big a fight. Too stylistically a great matchup for those guys to say no to, right? Like neither one of those guys is going to wrestle or grapple with each other. That's going to be a striking war. They're both in the same weight class. Now they're both giant names and neither one of them is in a position where it's like, you're worried about, you know, fighting up or down in the rankings. Like it's, it's literally just a super fight with superstar names. Yeah. I absolutely believe it's going to happen. Man, I, I don't know. I I kind of think they missed they missed it with with Connor and, and Masvidal. Um, I I could be wrong, but I kind of think they missed it. But I I do think that Nate's going to fight this fight and Nate's going to fight Connor. Maybe that fight happens at UFC 300. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so like as you know, as the months go by, I'm like, wow, like we're at 288, 287. Like, yeah, you know. 300 is next year. Like what, like what's wonder what's going to be the main event, but yeah, I could see that, you know, in 12 months, it could easily be Connor and Nate, but Connor and Masvidal, I don't know. I would love to see it though. I, I just think they've missed it. They may have missed it. But if, if you were to tell me that it is going to end up happening, sign me up. It's going to be some combination of that, but yes, I, I do believe Nate is going to fight in the UFC again after this Jake Paul fight. I do predict that Masvidal will also fight Jake Paul, and I do predict Masvidal will also fight in the UFC again, whether that's against Nate Diaz or Conor McGregor. I do think it's going to happen. So my my entire Jake Paul prediction was he's going to fight welterweight Nate Diaz, welterweight Jorge Masvidal, welterweight Kamaru Usman. Wow. And then after going 3-0, and that will set up the boxing match against Conor McGregor. Well, who's to say who's to say that he even needs to fight Kamaru after he beats uh if he were to beat Masvidal? What like why would you go from Masvidal to Usman when like in the pecking not necessarily the pecking order, but like in terms of popularity, the the top three guys are Diaz, Masvidal, and Connor. So like why not just go Diaz, Masvidal, and Connor? I mean it could happen. 
I, I know that Usman also wants to get in on that and wants the big payday. I hope I hope he doesn't do that. And man. I think I, that would just for Jake Paul be a, a really big time advantageous fight to just basically get another giant welterweight name on your resume. So, yeah, that's all. I I, can, I just can't see Kamaru Usman boxing. <laughs> I can't. I mean, yeah. I know that we've seen Ben Askren box, so like, <laughs> you can't put it past anybody. But I just can't see Kamar Usman yeah. just completely being in the boxing match. But hey, if Ben can do it, anybody can. So no doubt, no but. doubt. <laughs> All right, uh, we had Rob Font over Adrian Yanez. This one was uh, my—I mean, outside of the main event, this was my prediction for fight of the night. I thought this was going to be an absolute war. This fight was spectacular for as long as it lasted. I thought Yanez was getting some some great shots in on Rob Font. I thought Rob Font was was trading back. Ultimately, Rob Font lands the difference maker in this fight. But this thing absolutely delivered. As I always say, death taxes and bantamweights will. This fight absolutely delivered the type of war that we anticipated. Yeah, I mean, and and if that knockout wouldn't have happened, that this that type of those exchanges, the speed, all that stuff would have happened for 15 minutes. And that would have been the fight of the night for sure. But Rob Fott just happened to find the shot to put Adrian Yanez out. I was very impressed with how fast Adrian Yanez was. I was I got kind of got kind of worried because I was like, oh, yeah, with how fast Yanez is, he's going to catch Font with a combination and it's going to be over. But Rob Font found that jab, and once he started to land it, it was obviously having an effect on on Yanez. And then he started landing combinations, and then you, you could just see the effect, the power that Rob Font was putting into his punches. And then he found that kill shot. That was a very yeah. good performance from both guys, but very good performance from from Rob Font to find that knockout, um, and it puts him right back in in the conversation. Uh, with the with the top of the bantamweight division, he called out Figgy uh, for his bantamweight debut. I I kind of love that matchup. I do too. Uh, but did you uh, did you see what Figgy said? He said in an interview that he's going to stay at flyweight for three more fights. And I'm I'm at a point now where Wait, I'm what? like, bro, make up. Yeah, he said that he's going to fight at flyweight for three more fights. And I'm just like, bro, make up your mind on what you want to do. Um, because you just said at the end of that at the end of that fight that you were going to uh, go up to Bantamweight, so you're going to fight at flyweight three more times. Make up your mind. And then he said he wanted to fight Pantoja for the interim title, which is not going to happen. So Figueroa needs to make up his mind. I just think he he understands that if he fights at Bantamweight, there's not many good matchups out there for him with him being so small. Right. And he might as well just fight at flyweight where he's got a, the power advantage at least. Uh, I think Moreno has just got his number at this point, but. I could see a uh, I could see a world if Pantoja wins that Figueredo gets another title shot. Give me Figueredo Kaikara France if uh, he's going to stay. Oh, oh! I've wanted yes. to see that fight for a while. Yes, I forgot all about Kaikara France. Yes, screw everything else. <laughs> he, he's probably going to need to fight someone anyway because that Moreno and uh, Pantoja fight was announced for July. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Figueredo and Kaikar France. Yep. Perfect. Another like one. That, that another fight that we knew on this fight card was going to be fantastic. Kevin Holland and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Holland, once again, with a really impressive knockout to the point that Ponzinibbio face planted Will in the octagon, face first. It was done. And then he got up and tried to protest. Like, bro, <laughs> you were you were face first. Eyes were in Never Never Land, and you're gonna get up and protest. You need to go. You need to look at the replay and see that you were out 
Um, but yeah, it was a it was it was expected. Kevin Holland with his length and his reach, um, it just. I mean, seeing them at the weigh-in, seeing Ponzinibbio look up at him like that, I'm just like, yeah, there's there's no way. Uh, Ponzinibbio fought well. He he those those calf kicks that he was landing uh, were good. He was uh, trying to get in, get inside, and exchange with them. Uh, landed some good shots, but uh, Kevin Holland, he's defensively sound. Um, he does he never really takes really like flush kill shots like that, and um, and you know his power is is still substantial at, at welterweight. So. Uh, he's, he's going to beat a majority of the welterweights he fights. Uh, I'd like to see him fight someone like uh, like a Chiesa or a um, or a Michael or uh, not Michael uh, Neil Magny or How about Jeff, Jeff Neal. All those. Oh yeah, perfect. If if there's anyone who can land that shot, it's a, it's a Jeff Neal. But Kevin Holland said he would like to fight someone who can grapple. So, but it, for the fan, he wants to see Kevin Holland Jeff Neal. That'd That'd that's a, a very game. good fight. Yeah, for sure. All right, main card featured 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. He was also a heavy favorite on this card and uh, looked good in the first round, right? It was kind of an all-out blitz on his part. Uh, Christian Rodriguez was just as cool, calm, and collected as as you would expect um, someone older in that situation to be uh, and absolutely ran away with this fight. I don't think this in any way necessarily like ruins Raul Ro- uh, Rosas Jr.'s trajectory of being a really good fighter in the UFC. He's still 18 years old. We talked about this last week. There's only one men's champion right now that's even under the age of 30, for crying out loud. And I, I think that's Aljo at, at 29 years old or Moreno at 29 years old. Um, Raul Rosas Jr. still has a long way to go, clearly. But he's still really talented. And in terms of fight IQ, like he's he's going to have to learn some of these lessons in the octagon. And sometimes he's going to learn those lessons by losing. Like, I don't think this is the last time he's going to lose, but I also don't take any of the the shine off of, of what he's already accomplished to this point. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid's 18 years old. He hasn't even grown into his man body yet. I think what this does do is humble him a little bit. I mean, he was talking about beating Aljo. He was talking about uh, he could, he could finish everyone in the top five and everything. I think this humbles him. And, um, and he realizes, like, I've got holes in my game. I've got substantial holes. But the bright side to all this is you're only 18 years old. You've got a whole career. It just so happens that at the beginning of your career, you're at the biggest stage already. And you and you make mistakes at, at, at the biggest stage. Yeah. So this is only going to help him if he if he uh, looks at it the right way. I mean, he shouldn't curl up in a ball and think that this is all over like. You've got time. Uh, this is probably the best thing that that could happen to you because uh, it could have happened on on a worse stage. And but you know you're fighting on the main card uh, of a of one of the biggest pay per views of the year at 18 years old. Like, come on, man. Um, yeah. You've got the you've got the whole uh, your whole career ahead of you. Well, I think you nailed it. I mean, if there's any lesson to be learned here, it's it's maybe the humility because as we talked about last week, like. There are no cupcake matchups in the UFC. And while, you know, he may have run through the previous matchup, like these are all UFC roster guys. These are the best fighters in the world. And while he is really good and I think he has a very high ceiling, it it, it very much seemed like he didn't think this guy was a threat at all. And that is very dangerous, I think, to do in the UFC, no matter who you're fighting, right? If there is somebody fighting under this promotion, that means they are the best of the best in that weight class. I mean, all of these people are world-class fighters. 
when you make it to the UFC, you can't take anybody for granted, right? You can't just assume that you're going to run through anybody when you're fighting in the UFC. And I think if he understands that going forward and goes into every fight with the right approach of this guy could absolutely demolish me, I think that's when you're going to see him realize his true potential. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he just needed to be humbled. Um, it would have been tough. Like if he would have won this fight and then the UFC thinks they've really, really got something in him. And then he has that type of skill set and he fights someone who's, cause look how deep this bantamweight division is like someone who's not like miles Johns. Like what if you would have fought him next? Like, can you imagine Robert Rosas versus miles Johns? So, I mean, I think it's good that this has happened to him now and he can go back and he can really, um, just get better at striking. He was two for 19 in a three round fight in striking. So like he obviously has a lot of work to do, but he's got a good base, like the pressure, the wrestling, there's a lot of good things that he does, but there's still things that he needs to work on. And I think this fight uh, is just going to humble him and he's going to be better for that. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's briefly hit the prelims and then we will move on to this fight card on Saturday night in Kansas city. Um, Quickly, Kelvin Gastelum, and uh, Chris Curtis was everything that we hoped it would be and more. This was absolutely the fight of the night. I think this was one of the best fights of 2023 so far. Spectacular war. Uh, welcome back to the win column, Kelvin Gastelum, who is still one of the toughest human beings in the UFC to continually take damage the way that he does every single time he's out there and seemingly continue to come away from those shots unfazed. Um, love Kelvin Gastelum in the octagon. And then uh, real quick for me, one other one. Joe Pfeiffer over Gerald Mearshart is unbelievably impressive, right? We know what type of competitor GM3 is. For Joe Pfeiffer to get that finish, I don't, I don't really feel like I have a good idea for what where his ceiling is, but clearly the guy has, has uh, a very, very high ceiling. Absolutely. And then when you're in a division like middleweight who's looking for contenders, uh, I'm not saying you just immediately just, you know, push this guy up to the ceiling, but the potential's there. I think fighting Gerald Mearshart and beating him was, was gigantic. I think you, I think it's okay to give him a ranked guy next. Um, I think he's that good. Finishing Gerald Mearshart is no easy task. I mean, Bruno Silva uh, couldn't do it. Uh, so I, I think Joe Pfeiffer has a, has a very high ceiling. Uh, I don't know uh, if I would say he's a future champion or even a future top contender. Uh, I think there's still things that I, I, that I would like to see out of him, but fighting a grappler like Mearshart and just never letting it get to that point was, was big. So, and then of course, Gaslam and Curtis was, was everything and more. Um, I thought it was a very close fight. One judge had a 30, 27. I think that's atrocious. Uh, I think round one was for Kelvin round three was for Curtis. And I think uh, round two was very close. So I'm not mad at Kelvin getting the win. Uh, very impressive performance from both guys. And it's good to see Kelvin back in the column, like you said. All right, let's talk about this sneaky good fight card on Saturday night, UFC Fight Night. Holloway Allen, Max Holloway and Arnold Allen in the featherweight division. This is uh, in Kansas City, very close to home for us. Uh, I can't wait for this fight card. And a main card, Will, that I think, uh, I mean, there's some good prelim fights. It, Brandon Royval, Mateus Nicolau, for crying out loud, is on the prelims. Main card starts in the lightweight division with Clay Guida and Hafa Garcia. Oddshark.com has Hoffa Garcia as the minus 270 favorite, plus 230 for Clay Guida. Uh, your eight-point swing on Saturday night, Will, for getting both the Rob Font and Izzy fights correct. 
narrows the gap, but I still have a lead on you, so it is me first. Uh, it's going to be Hoffa Garcia for me over Clay Guida to start the main card Saturday. Yeah, Hoffa Garcia for me as well. I think uh, Clay Guida has been around the block one too many times. I think it's we're finally starting to see Clay Guida uh, really slow down, and uh, I think this will be a, a win for Hoffa Garcia. Death taxes and bantamweights, Pedro Munoz and Chris Gutierrez in the bantamweight division to ranked bantamweights going head-to-head. Uh, I love this matchup. I think this is uh, potentially fight of the night. Um, it pains me to pick against Pedro because I love watching him fight every time. He's all action, uh, never stops. But I think, you know, so many wars that he's been in and Chris Gutierrez just seems to really be peaking at the right time. So I'm going to go Chris Gutierrez in this fight. Yeah, Chris Gutierrez for me, it's going to be a battle of the calf kicks. Both these guys throw phenomenal calf kicks. I think this is going to be a war. But I think Chris Gutierrez, his size, the size of his legs and then the size of him just in general. He's a he's big for the bantamweight division and Pedro's on the smaller side. So uh, I like uh, Chris Gutierrez in this one. All right. Now the light heavyweight division. This was probably the fight that I had the hardest time picking. Tanner Bozer moving down to 205 versus Ion Kutalaba. Kutalaba is the minus 135 favorite. We have seen him struggle with some of the bigger uh, light heavyweights. I don't, I don't know if Tanner Bozer being bigger, but maybe not being as well-rounded is, is maybe the same sort of threat that Kudalaba has seen in the past. Um, I want to go Tanner Bozer, but I, I, I feel more confident in Ion Kudalaba finding a way to get this one done. Um, yeah, see, I, I just think there's, so much there's too many questions about Tanner Bozer coming down from heavyweight and what he looks like at light heavyweight for me uh Kudalaba is established um fought you know the best of the best at, at light heavyweight so um I just need to see what Bozer looks like at light heavyweight first or I probably would have picked him but I, I think it'll be Kudalaba all right staying in the light heavyweight division we have two ranked 205ers it is Dustin Jacoby and Azamat Mirzakhanov I love this matchup. I thought uh, I thought last time out, Jacoby should have won the fight. I didn't think the, the judges got that one right. Uh, I think that it will be Dustin Jacoby on this night. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Jacoby, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's ranked anymore, but uh, in terms of skill, he's up there with some of the best light heavyweights uh, in the world. Um, I, that Roundtree fight was, was close, but I thought he was more active. And, um, of course, Roundtree's power is you can't, like not see it. So I, I understand why the judges gave it to him, but I thought Jacoby took the shots well and I thought he was more active. So I would have gave the fight to Jacoby. Uh, I think he's going to win this one. I think this is a similar fight to the Roundtree fight. I think Azamat's got a good left hand, but outside of that, um, I don't really see too much. I think Jacoby being the bigger guy and with that kickboxing pedigree, uh, I think he'll win this one. So Jacoby for me as well. Jacoby is 13, by the way. Uh, okay, cool. is yeah. 15. So, Oh, Both wow. of them just hanging right. on in the top 15. All right, co-main event. This should be a fun one as well. Uh, this one should be a war, I would guess. Um, probably about as entertaining as any fight on this fight card. Edson Barboza and Billy Q. Oddshark.com has Billy Q as your favorite, minus 171. He's a guy that you know is not ever going to give up. Um, I, 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 I know that Edson Barboza still has a really high level. It's just... Can he 
can he stay at that high level for the duration of a fight, or will will there be those dips where Billy Q is going to have the opportunity? I'm going to go Edson Barboza against my better judgment, but because Billy Q is just an absolute dog, and I think that might be the difference here, but uh, I still think Edson Barboza has uh, some elite wins in him. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I thought you were going to go Billy Q. Um, I'm going Barbosa. Um, I think that just the way that this fight should play out, I like Barbosa uh, on this side of things. I do think this is going to be a war, but this is the type of fight that Edson Barbosa shines in. Uh, he, he loses to those to those grapplers who uh, really ground him. But I think in a fight like this, we, we get to see Edson be his be at his best. So uh, I, I like Edson here as well. In our main event, we have the return of Max Holloway and Arnold Allen's biggest opportunity to date. What a matchup this is in the featherweight division. What a main event this is on a fight night card one week after UFC 287. Max Holloway, Arnold Allen, I absolutely love it. Obviously, a win for Arnold Allen in this fight means he is next for the 145 belt after Yair Rodriguez gets his opportunity. Uh, for Max Holloway, I, I, I think the only part of me that struggles with making a pick here is What's next for Max? Like, beyond this fight, what is he fighting for? I, you know, as long as Volk is the champ, uh, there's not really a path back to the title for Max Holloway right now. Um, is You know, I, I just, I, I struggle to figure out, like, what is he fighting for? What is his drive? What does he see as the big picture goal going forward? That said, I think Max Holloway is still an absolute killer. I, I still think he is cream of the crop in the featherweight division. And I think he's just on the wrong side of, of uh, a great rivalry with Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, he had the two fights with uh, Calvin Cater and Yair Rodriguez between the, the second and third Volk fights in which, uh, you know, he was looked spectacular in the Cater fight was in a war against Yair uh, and looked great. So I don't think that Max has lost a step. I, I, I look at, at Volk more, I think as, as just being unbelievably impressive than, than, feeling like Max isn't the same guy that he used to be. So I think Max's overall activity, like we've seen so many times, is going to be the difference. But I, I think similar to the Yair fight, Arnold Allen is going to pack a punch. Arnold Allen is going to bring it. And this should be an absolute knockdown, drag-out war that I think goes the distance. So give me Max Holloway. Okay, yeah, because I was like, okay, what's the pick? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't I can't bet against Max. Um I did it with Volk because in that matchup, you could see Volk getting better with each time, with each fight that, that he would have. Like even outside of Max, uh, the fight that he had with Ortega, the fight that he had with Korean Zombie, you, you could just see Volk getting better. And it just kind of seemed like Max kind of plat has kind of plateaued. I mean, of course, he had that great Calvin Cater fight and the Yair fight. Uh, that was that was a close fight, but a, but a good fight at the same time. Um, my question is, how good is is Allen? Is Arnold Allen? I think the book's still out on him. I think while he is very skilled, we don't know what that looks like over five rounds because the Cater fight only didn't last that long. Um, he, he's he's fought well over three rounds, but how does he take Max's pressure? How does he take um, and the fact that Max is going to be able to do this for for five rounds? You know what's going to happen when Arnold Allen hits him with his best shots and Max is still coming? You know we know that Max has that chin from hell. You know he, yeah. he can take you know shots from it from everyone from Yair, from, from Volk, everybody. So I think we'll see the, the question. The question is, is, is Arnold Allen that good? We'll find, that's the question we'll find out on Saturday. But as of now, I'm going to go with what I know. And what I know is Max Holloway is the next best guy outside of Volk. So Max for me as well. 
Very nice. What we also know is this is a great matchup, a fun stylistic matchup, and I will be shocked if this fight sucks. This is going to be a great fight. Oh no, Max is never <laughs> in, is never in a boring fight. Exactly. So this fight, this fight's going to be a war one way or the other. Exactly. Should be a ton of fun. All right, my friend. Uh, that is it this week. We will do it again next week on the heels of this fight night, and we've got a bunch of great cards ahead that we will discuss going forward. All right, my brother. Have a good one. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Everybody have a great week.